Gracious Heavenly Father, as we open your word today, may it help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May it grow in us the the ability to, the desire to trust you and to be obedient to you. Father, those words seem so simple, but there's so much inside of it. Father, I pray that we would be growing, we would be learning as we as we look at the instruction of Jesus on how we are to pray. Change our minds, Father. For your glory and for Christ's sake, in whose name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. Guests. Welcome. Uh, before we get into the text, uh, I generally talk about something, and that's what I'm going to do before we get into Luke today for those that are guests. I was, I was listening to something this week. I think it was a podcast that I listened to that, that uh, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but they were talking about the topic of legacy. Uh, and um, most of you know when, when I was called to pastor this church, the name of the church was Legacy Church on the corner of Six and Marquette. And from what I understand, I wasn't part of the original group that was going to plant this. Some of you were. But the legacy they wanted to leave was in the west end of Davenport. Uh, they wanted to make a difference in that, in that impoverished community and leave a legacy that would last. The, the, that, that was what the, the pastor, the man who was intended to pastor that church, was, was what he wanted to lead these folks to do, to leave a legacy there. When you think about legacy, what comes to mind? And as you're thinking about legacy, I want to ask you to think about something. What was the most important contribution of your great-great-grandfather on your paternal side? What is the greatest contribution he made to your life? As you're thinking about that, I would challenge anyone here to name their great-great-grandfather on their paternal side and where he even lived. Most of us don't know that. You know, some of us might have a famous great-great-grandfather, and so we know that. But, but Ecclesiastes, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says this in verse, chapter 1, verse 11, says, There is no remembrance of former things or people, nor will there be any remembrance of later things or people yet to be among those who come after. In other words, there's going to be no remembrance of you and there's going to be no or the things you did and there's going to be no remembrance of your children and the things they did or whoever comes after them. The generations after will not know. We don't we don't there's nothing that we really know about our history or our heritage or the legacy of those that came before us. The, the Many people want to leave a legacy. It's kind of a cool thing to talk about these days. And, and my dad, again, most of you know, he coached basketball at Rock Island High School for a lot of years and, and wanted to leave a legacy. And there's still some people that remember his name in Rock Island in the Quad Cities. But give it another hundred years, no one will remember his name. It's a legacy that is meaningless. It won't be remembered. 
the, the, the legacy that we leave is nothing. Now, now, it is good for us to leave an inheritance to our children and to our children's children. An inheritance of faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Uh, we, we, we sing a song. We'll sing it today. Should nothing of our effort stand, no legacy survive. Unless the Lord does build the house in vain, the builders strive. To you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me what is your life? A mist that vanishes at dawn, all glory be to Christ. The legacy that we can leave is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's not our legacy. It is it is his. And the legacy that that he that we can participate in is is the salvation of souls by the proclamation of the gospel. The legacy we can leave is faith to our children. Now it's God will will grant them hearts to believe or he won't. But it's our desire to tell them of Christ, to tell them the truths of God's word. The, 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 and we don't have a lot of folks to get caught up in this, but this thought about trying to leave a legacy. You know, I know Brother Tony being an evangelist. There's evangelists that he reads from years ago, and so they've left books, and we read about them. But the only thing of value that they leave is, is a way or a desire to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ and how one can be saved. So as we as we go about our days each day, we have children that we're raising, we have jobs that we're doing, and that, that we would have a mindset of leaving the legacy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the faith that we've been given. That's our desire to leave because none of us are going to be remembered 100 or 500 years from now. Which, which actually... Uh, kind of connects to our our sermon today. Now open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, and we know that we're being taught how to pray by Jesus Christ, God the Son, incarnate. We would do well to listen when Jesus is instructing us on how to pray. And we ought to endeavor to pray in the way we're taught by Christ himself. So let's stand and I will read verses 1 through 4 even though we'll only be in the second half of verse 2 today. Luke chapter 11 verse 1 Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he had finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them when you pray say Father hallowed be your name Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. You may be seated. We talked about this last week, but this model prayer called the Lord's Prayer by many people and it's fine, but I I like to call it the model prayer because it's a, a model of how we're to pray. I would say the Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17 when Jesus is praying to his Father in heaven. Uh, that's his prayer. This is He's teaching us how to pray. No doubt he prayed with this template, which is what 
they were hearing him do and said, then teach us to pray. But he also taught this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. It was another time that he taught it that Matthew um, recorded some 18 months earlier is when he did that. Last week we started in this prayer and uh, our Father, hallowed be your name. Uh, and then, and then the the prayer goes on. That the the that when we pray, the focus of our prayer ought to be on God and and who He is and what He's done, not on us. So our prayer should be focused on on God, on on His holiness, His being our Father, His provision, His sovereignty. His forgiveness is our example. His protection, His care. We pray focusing on who God is. Remember, the the intent of prayer is to line our wills up with God's will. It's not to line God's will up with ours. We don't go to pray to, to get God to do what we want Him to do or think how we think. We pray that we might think how God thinks and that we might understand his will and his purposes. That's the intention of our prayer. So, we begin last week, we looked at, we start our prayer. Jesus says, start your prayer with Father. And from last week, to review, we, we pray, who are we praying to, beloved? Our Father, who loves us, who cares for us who is on our side, who works all things for our good. We pray to our Father, my daughter, my son, they can come to me any time as their Father and they can talk to me and they know that I love them. I might reprove them. I might correct them. I may chasten them because I love them. But they come to me, so we go to our Father. We go to our Father in complete boldness or honesty, knowing that He is there for us. We aren't going to some distant being that is is indifferent to us. We are going to talk to our Father. So that's how He says we start our prayers, with the mindset of who it is we are praying to. As believers, we are praying to our Father. And then and then he says, hallowed our prayer. The first petition that we are to make is, hallowed be your name. Remember, hallowed is an aorist imperative. In other words, it's do this now. It's do this at once, at urgency. We are saying to him, God, Father, make your name great. Use us, in us and through us. Make your name great now. Father, you are holy. Holy be your name. Set apart, hallowed. Use us to make yourself look great. That's our mindset when we pray. Not not God, let me use you that my life can be great. No, God, use me that you can be made great. Hallowed be your name. God does not exist in heaven to fulfill our dreams 
or carry out our will. He exists in heaven. He has saved us and made us his children so that he might display his will, his power, his glory, his kingdom. Hallowed be your name. That's the first petition that we are to make. And again, remember, we're not to have some vain repetition. This isn't a prayer that we pray. This is teach us how to pray, not what to pray. It's a template of how we are to pray. And then the second petition, your kingdom come. The second thing that we pray is your kingdom come. So it would be important to know what is the kingdom of God. If we're praying for the kingdom to come, we have to know what it is we're praying for. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. The word for kingdom, basilie, to reign, rule, sovereignty, and kingdom. So since we are to pray that the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven would come, Let's think about what it is we are to be praying for. The the kingdom of God was a a very central theme of Jesus' message. As a matter of fact, it was the first thing he drew attention to when he started to do his earthly ministry. Mark 1, 14, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He says the time is here. The kingdom of God is here. He was here. The fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah was here. The kingdom had come. The kingdom of God was at hand. The kingdom of God that had been promised in the Old Testament, it was here. Matthew 4, it should be 17, not 7. I put that wrong in your bulletin. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We won't talk about this much, but just remember the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, they're, they're, they're interchangeable terms. Matthew uses heaven because that was the way that the, the Jews talked more, and, and he even uses heaven and kingdom of God in the same uh, passage. So it's the same. It matters, but we weren't going to spend much time here on that. So, so he was proclaiming the kingdom of God was here. It was present. It was actually here in front of them. So, so repent and believe that you might enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was an eternal reality that, that was accessible through him. And that's what he was proclaiming. He teaches on the kingdom of God throughout, but he's teaching them, for instance, in Matthew 19. He's telling the disciples, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So that the kingdom of God was, was, was not connected to earthly treasures or temporal things. Entry into the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God's kingdom was, was, was connected spiritually. It was a spiritual reality. It wasn't a, it wasn't a temporal reality. Jesus, again, this was a central part of his message. After he had been crucified, buried and died, and rose from the dead, Acts 1-3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
Luke 4.43. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well as for as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus went to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God and how to enter into it. That's what he was proclaiming. He never did preach the kingdom of God being something that was here on earth. The kingdom of God was an eternal reality that he was preaching and how to enter into the kingdom of God was in and through him. This is what he was preaching. His preaching concerned eternal life. Now, he did miracles because he's the king. He has dominion and domain. And he, he, he healed people and he did miracles and he showed that he was God. But the message that he preached was entering into the kingdom of God. It wasn't through any of those things. It was in and through him. And he was here. Luke's 9. Luke nine fifty seven. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Don't worry about these temporal things. You go proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not contained in the concerns or the cares or the things of this world. Rather, the kingdom of God is about following Jesus into glory. That's what the kingdom of God is. When Pontius Pilate asked Jesus about the nature of his kingdom. What did Jesus answer in Luke 8, uh, John 18, 36? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? The kingdom of God is not of this world. It's a different kingdom. The Jews, as well as Pontius Pilate, they were all looking for a worldly king to rule and reign over a worldly kingdom. That's what they were looking for. That's what they wanted. What the Jews wanted was an earthly king to deliver them from the bondage of the Romans, to make them a great nation again, to be a political, cultural, economic kingdom. That's what they wanted. That's what they were looking for. That's what people are looking for now sometimes, isn't it? They're looking for political, cultural, economic king or kingdom. He says that's, that's, that's not. So he says to them, Luke nineteen eleven. as they heard these things, he, Jesus, proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem, because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. They thought the kingdom of God was going to come then, in earthly form with an earthly king and a great nation, Israel. That is, that is a caution. 
And it's interesting, in, in the history of the church, the more things have gotten in a, in a better direction, all of a sudden there's a different view on what the kingdom of God is. And hey, are we bringing the kingdom of God? And let's bring the kingdom of God. And let's bring a cultural, political, economic kingdom. That's, that's not what Jesus came to do. He came, the kingdom of God is an eternal reality. Now, there is a temporal reality to the kingdom of God, as we'll get to a little more later. He rules and reigns in your heart, Tamara. Nothing happens outside of the sovereignty of God. Listen to Luke 12, 22. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they need a toil in their spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Look, you're worried about clothes and food and the things of this earth. That's what's bothering you. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom. And these things will be added to you. He is clearly setting up His kingdom to be different than these earthly things. It's not what, not what you're to seek. You're not to seek these earthly things. You're to seek His kingdom. This, this reality of His rule and reign. In your life. Because he says, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, you have been given the kingdom of God. Now, have you realized that yet? You haven't, have you? I haven't, have I? When will we realize the kingdom of God? When Christ returns, we get our heavenly bodies, and then we will be with God in his kingdom with Christ in his kingdom. But until then, he says, you've been given the kingdom. So you've been given the kingdom in a real way. Now, why are you worried about earthly stuff? And you will receive all of the kingdom. You will rule and reign with Christ forever and ever for all eternity. That's what you've received. Why are you so caught up on these things? Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with the treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is the treasure that Jesus is trying to point them toward? Eternal or temporal? Eternal. The kingdom of God is an eternal reality. And that is what we're being pointed to. That is what Christ is teaching us. Those who are Jesus' sheep, God's adopted children, we have already, and not yet, received the kingdom of God. But that is to be our focus. So stop worrying about earthly things. Seek His kingdom. 
We're going to get back to this, right? We're worrying about praying. We're going to get to it. But so we're to pray what? About earthly things? Or about eternal things? About my obedience? Or about the world's obedience? Ephesians 1.20. You see... It is true the kingdom of God is coming. It's not here yet fully. But as I said before, there is a sense in which Jesus already reigns. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Where is God the Son? Where is Jesus Christ? He is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. That's where he is. In the heavenly, far above all rule, and authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named. He's above every name that is named. There's no name that is named on this earth that he's not above. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He rules now, and he will rule after his return. He is ruling in a real sense right now. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church. Jesus at the right hand of the Father, right now, ruling and reigning over all powers and authorities and an authority over all of his people. There is no one doing anything that Jesus doesn't, that God didn't ordain or decree or that is out of their purview or their control. His control. Ephesians 2.1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The kingdom of God is present where? In those in whom Jesus is king over, those whom he has given life and pulled them out of Satan's control. 1 John 5, 19, And we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. All of this world, this earth, is under the power of Satan. But remember, the devil is God's devil. He cannot do any more than God has decreed. He cannot get you believer. He cannot snatch you away, can he? But he already controls all the others. The kingdom of God is where Jesus rules and reigns in our lives, in my heart, in your heart. Jesus does not rule and reign in the hearts of unbelievers. They follow their father, the devil. They're under his sway and his power. Second Corinthians four four. In their case, the unbelievers, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Unless God causes one to see the gospel of the glory of Christ and enter into his kingdom, they are kept blinded by whom? The devil. They're kept Out of what? The kingdom of God. 
The kingdom of God is not this. Not this. The kingdom of God is only accessible via faith in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you are not in his kingdom. You're in the kingdom that is of this world. The kingdom of God will manifest itself again in physical form when Christ comes. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God, the fa- he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. He will deliver the kingdom of God at his second coming. All of us, beloved, will be delivered to God the Father. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 and 53. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This perishable body must be put on the imperishable, the mortal with immortality. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So if the kingdom of God was this earth, we should be able to inherit it in flesh and blood, and we can't. We can't. We won't. The kingdom of God that is, that is now present in God's people will be fully consummated when Christ returns. And what is now spiritual will then become physical. Christ rules and reigns in heaven in the hearts of his people now. And he will return to rule and reign over all who are left. The rest will be in hell. In this age, God's kingdom is in his people. In the age to come, it will be fully revealed in a new heaven and new earth. So when we pray, we are to pray, your kingdom come. That doesn't mean we pray that the politician of choice would be elected. We don't pray Donald Trump would be elected or Ron DeSantis or whoever it is that people want a king of. We don't pray that Bodie Balkan would come back and become governor of Texas. We pray that his kingdom would come. So how does his kingdom come? How does his kingdom come? In order to pray how Jesus instructs us, we need to know how does his kingdom come now? What are we praying for when we pray, in this age, your kingdom come? How does God's kingdom come? It comes by salvation and by sanctification. God's kingdom comes, first of all, by salvation. Pastor Tyler talked about it this morning. Where does God dwell? He dwells in the heavens, and where else? In the hearts of the contrite people. In his people. That's where he dwells. That's where he is. Now, God is everywhere, yes, but he specially dwells in heaven and in his people. God doesn't dwell specially in City Hall. God doesn't dwell specially in, in Merrill Lynch. 
God's everywhere. Okay? But God dwells specially in heaven and in the hearts of his people. That is where his kingdom is. The kingdom that's under his rule and reign. We are to be praying that God would use us to save people. That salvation would come. Remember Jesus' words in Mark 1 again. Now after this, John was arrested. He says, the kingdom, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. We should be praying that people would see their need for Jesus. They would see their sin and turn from it and believe on Jesus Christ that they may enter into his kingdom. And experience now his lordship. Knowing that they will experience for all eternity a physical kingdom that he will rule and reign over. But right now, salvation brings with it turning from our sin, putting our faith and trust in Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, and then, and then we are now under the rule and reign, willingly, with the new will we've been given of Christ Jesus, of God himself. Luke seventeen twenty, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. <laughs> when will the kingdom of God come, the Pharisees asked Jesus. He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. No one will say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. You cannot see the kingdom of God with your eyes. You cannot point to it or touch it. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is in you, inside of you. Important that we understand the kingdom of God. It cannot be seen. Jesus says so himself. You can't touch it. You can't observe it. So you can't walk out there and say, let's make Davenport the kingdom of God. I can see Davenport, can't I? I can touch Davenport. I can't make City Hall the kingdom of God. I can see that. I can touch that. The kingdom of God is in your midst. He's in you. And the only way he gets in you is through the gospel of Jesus Christ and faith and trust. And then what happens? He comes to dwell in you. The kingdom of God is in your midst. It's it's Jesus Christ, God, the Son incarnate. And, and, And so here he is saying, I'm here, the kingdom of God. The way into the kingdom of God is through me says Jesus. A kingdom you can't see. A kingdom you can't say, look, there it is. Oh, look, there it is. Oh, oh, it's Britain. Oh, it's America. Oh, it's Kenya. You can't see it. The kingdom of God is in those who have believed into him and become his brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in believers via the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9. You, however, not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You who? You believers. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, lives in his people, the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he came on earth and started preaching, he, his Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, then lives in us. So now the kingdom of God is in here. Now, can you touch it? Can you see it? Nobody's here. And he's here. And he's here. And he's here. He's not there in this way. The Spirit of God. So those of us who are in his kingdom, we are under willingly, willingly, because of the new will we've been given, we are under the rule and reign of King Jesus, of God himself. Aren't we? Because we're in the kingdom of God. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, this is, this is how those who have entered the kingdom of God live. They live as if they're dead. They aren't, they aren't tied to the cares of this world and the things of this world. They live a life based on Christ living in them. And the, and the, and the, the gospel that will, they will preach will bring more into that kingdom. Philippians 3.20 But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Listen, we are certainly living here right now. I am a citizen of Davenport. I'm a citizen of the state of Iowa. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Those are, those are accurate ways you could describe me. But that's not who I am in Christ. Who I am in Christ is a citizen of heaven, a child of the King. And that reality, that reality far outweighs any reality of what I am here. My citizenship is in heaven. I live like a dead man. So do you, right? We are certainly living here now, but we, are cert- we brothers and sisters, are living under the rule and reign of God himself. Having been delivered, delivered from the, ruler, the, the reign and rule of Satan, the prince of the power of the age. We're out of that and we're into this. Those out there, still not in the kingdom of God. They're not in the kingdom of heaven. Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. And who have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. The kingdom of God is for those who have been delivered from the rule and reign of Satan and of this world and its ways and its patterns and been placed into His kingdom under His rule and reign. Trusting and obeying Him. This is a present reality that awaits a future consummation. This kingdom of God that we will live in when Christ returns. The only place we live now is in here. So so we are learning to pray, remember? That's what we're learning to pray. 
And so we're learning to pray. Father, use us to make your name great. Make your name great, Father, as your kingdom is built one believer at a time by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke 10.2 And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Pray for the gospel to go forth and save people from the harvest, which will, which will have them to be gathered up and burned up and brought into the, the, the crop that will be kept. Pray that the gospel would go forth. Pray that you would take the gospel forth. That the kingdom of God may come. Romans 1, 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Pray for boldness for ourselves and for others to proclaim the gospel that would save people and grow God's kingdom. Your kingdom come. Pray in agreement with Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We believe this, correct? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We don't act like we believe this sometimes. Pray that we would live this way, consistent with the reality that we believe that. Pray that we and other Christians would believe that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In order to call on the name of the Lord, what must happen? Well, he tells us, how then will they call on him if they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Pray that the word of Christ would go forth from us and from other Christians. That his kingdom may come. Pray for Tony as he's out evangelizing. Pray for Corey as he goes to work. Pray for Josh as he's building houses. Pray for Jeff as he's dealing with people that elite property managers. Pray for Tamara. She interacts with her children all day, every day. Pray that the gospel would go forth, the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, the gospel is what? Repent and believe on Jesus Christ. The gospel is you're a sinner separated from God because of your sin. Judgment is coming. Wrath of God is upon you. But God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to live without any sin and then to die as if He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him and through Him by believing on Him for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the gospel that of the kingdom that will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. The gospel of the kingdom is not... Make America great again. That's not the gospel of the kingdom. It isn't. A manifestation of the gospel might be America becoming great. I doubt it. I don't see it in Scripture, but I, I, I can't argue against it. But that's not the gospel. 
This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. You want his kingdom to really come, which we'll get to in just a few minutes? Get out and proclaim the gospel to everyone. Every people group, every corner of the globe. Starting right here. Anybody in Davenport. And you know how many people sit in churches every week that have never heard the gospel? I actually believe there's three guests we have today. Two of whom had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they've been going to church for a long, long time. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Through the salvation of your people. Forgiveness of sins, the gospel of the kingdom of God, forgiveness of sin, the adoption of children via faith in Jesus Christ. Your kingdom come. This is how we pray. This is how we pray. Another way his kingdom comes by the sanctification of his people. So if the kingdom has come inside of my life and he He lives in me, and I am in His kingdom. I am a child of God. As I grow in holiness, His kingdom increases. The manifestation of Him in my life, working in my life, outflows to the world around me, and His kingdom is coming in me and through me. And you. When Jesus taught this in the Sermon on the Mount, your kingdom come, what comes next? Your will be done. So as Christians who are under God's rule and reign, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ willingly, it is our desire to do His will. Second Timothy 2.21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house. The kingdom comes as you grow and I grow in holiness. We are more useful. We're more useful vessels. First Peter 1, 14. As obedient children, we do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conducts. It is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. We will be, are to be growing in holiness as we obey God's commands given via Jesus Christ. The more we are like Jesus, the more his kingdom is coming. Yes? As we are sanctified, His kingdom is coming in increasing measure. You want to make Mary great again? America great again? Go out, preach the gospel, pray that God would save every single American, and we could all then grow in holiness. <clears throat> Even though we will never fully or perfectly be holy, until Christ returns, we are nonetheless to be being sanctified now. And His kingdom is coming. Hebrews 12, listen, 12, 14 through 17, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And may it be, and, and by it, many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. 
For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. We should be praying for ourselves and for the brethren to stay pure, to grow in holiness and to keep from bitterness. God's kingdom comes as you don't fall away. As you don't fall away. As you don't fall away. As I don't fall away. Pray for the sanctification of God's people. To make, listen, is there anything? Yes, but is is it not true that as I watch Pastor Tyler grow in holiness, that God is made great? I actually know Pastor Tyler fairly well. I actually know his sin nature somewhat well. I've watched it at times. And I've watched as God continues to grow in holiness and his kingdom is coming more and more in Tyler's life that he doesn't manifest that way and I say glory to God because he can't do that. You can't do what you're doing, Susan. God did that. Glory to God as you're being sanctified, Kathleen. He looks great. In our sanctification. Kingdom is coming. God's being made much of. Pray for that. Please pray for me. Pray for me that I grow in holiness, that I don't fall away. We, have, we hear confessions. Pray for the confessions that they don't fall away. Only because of God's power, His will, are we able to be sanctified. It makes Him look great. Pray for that. Romans 6.22, But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. Pray for more fruitfulness in the life of the brethren as they be more sanctified. On our way to eternal life on our way to this consummation of the kingdom of God when it appears in physical form. Colossians 3. Pray. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Seek the kingdom of God where Christ is. The kingdom of heaven where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on earth. Set your minds on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore. So because you're in the kingdom of God and your your mind is on the kingdom of heaven, put to death these things. Sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. This is what we pray for. Put off these things. Put on then. 
Compassion, hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you all must, must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What are we supposed to do because our minds are on the kingdom of God? Put off things and put on things. And nowhere do we see anything earthly being put off or put on. Actions, not things, not territories. Not politics, not economics, not culture. It's not where to be putting on or changing. We're to put these things off. Keep your mindset on that. Put these things off and put these things on. We pray that God's kingdom come to earth via his people, putting off and putting on, which makes his name great. It makes him look so awesome. I am telling you my own testimony, watching you all grow in the grace of God, watching you be sanctified, makes God look so much greater than watching us argue about who ought be the next governor. As we, now a real effect, a byproduct of us growing in holiness, we will change our homes, yes? We will influence our communities, yes? Maybe to being different, maybe to hatred. But we will influence them. We will influence our states and our nation. But we aren't praying for that. We're praying that we would be having our mind on the things above and that we individually then are growing in holiness, putting off and putting on. This is what we pray for. This is how you pray, that God's kingdom would come. Pray that God's kingdom would come being via salvation and sanctification. And then, so, so we're praying that God's kingdom would come spiritually. It is a spiritual reality that that one is saved. It is a spiritual reality that one is sanctified. We are to pray for that. And then we are to pray that His kingdom would come physically. And how His kingdom will come physically is the physical return of the forever King. How His kingdom will come forever and always is when He returns to rule and reign forever. Jesus, as God the Son, He came in the flesh. Remember? God the Son came in the flesh. He grew up. He went out in the desert. He was tempted. He came out. He starts His ministry. And he said what? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when He comes back, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is what he will bring physically. Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The kingdom of the world, when Christ returns, will become the kingdom of our Lord and of Christ, of his Christ, and he'll reign forever and ever. That's when the kingdom of God will physically manifest itself. Here. 
or in a new world. Revelation 12.10 And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. When will the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ consummate, come fully when he comes back in the next age, the age to come? For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. When Christ returns, the kingdom of God, which is here now in the hearts of believers, will be here eternally, physically, fully consummated. Pray for that. Pray for the return of Christ. Revelation twenty two twenty. Wrong in your bullet again. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. You want the kingdom of God to be here forever? Pray for Christ's return. Do we know when he's going to come back? No. Do we know that he is coming back to rule and reign? Yes. Would you, would you want him to come back now? I would. Pray for the return of Christ. His kingdom to come. Actually, physically come. Closing thought. As we pray to our Father, petitioning Him that His name hallowed in us, in us and through us, we pray for His kingdom to come via the salvation of His elect, the sanctification of His adopted children, and that Jesus will return and usher in His forever kingdom. How great will Jesus look Will God's kingdom look when he returns to rule and reign? Hallowed be your name. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. How great will his name be? Hallowed be your name. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Make your name great. And in the meantime, build your kingdom in me and through me, through the proclamation of the gospel and the sanctification of my life to your glory and your praise and your power and your greatness. This is how we pray. Father, thank you for... Thank you for the promise of your kingdom coming. Thank you for the reality that as the gospel is proclaimed, And your grace is poured out through faith that people believe on Christ and that you then dwell in us through your Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Thank you, Father, that you love us and you are for us. And even even this message today, you you would desire us to pray and to live consistent with the prayer that your kingdom come. Line our wills up with your will, Father. Cause us to make your name great for your glory in Christ's sake, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to hymn 410. We'll sing the Lord's Prayer.
Tim 4.10. 